are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You are on the line with Lance Daw and Noah Gardner on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Got intern Sting in the studio with us behind the controls. Noah Gardner up in Silicaga at the mothership. Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Noah. I'm doing good. We are going to continue today to preview Auburn's matchup against Georgia this weekend. Going to be breaking down some position groups. Going to be going over some Sunday showdown picks. This weekend, Noah informed me earlier today that we actually didn't do half bad on our picks, so we're going to get into those later on. Got our Making Headlines segment. Going to talk a little tip-off at Tumors, which is happening later tonight. Fantastic show ahead of you, uh, ahead of us today. I want to start, though, in this opening segment, as I mentioned, breaking down some of these position groups in this Auburn-Georgia matchup. I want to start on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that's where a lot of concerns for Auburn fans lie in terms of matching up with the defense, which we'll get to later. But I want to start here and just kind of look at some of these different position groups, uh, both for, for Auburn and Georgia, just to see how they stack up. Let's do it. I want to start at the quarterback spot. I think that's a good place to start between uh, Bo Nix and p- presumably Stetson Bennett. I don't think TJ Daniel or JT Daniels rather is going to be playing this weekend. I think he's still he's still working out some type of injury. I believe Bennett's going to start, but regardless, we'll take a look at both Daniels and Bennett just for the sake of the conversation. Looking at Bo Nix so far this season, 58.5% completion percentage. Believe it or not, that's 12th in the SEC, only ahead of Zach Calzada, or I'm sorry, Haynes King or Zach Calzada, whoever's starting for, for, for A&M, and then uh, Ken Seals at Vanderbilt. Not that great. Six touchdowns, no interceptions, 979 yards passing. He's only been sacked twice so far this season, and he has rushed for, for uh, 133 yards. Averages 5.3 yards per carry. He's on pace to have his best rushing season, believe it or not, of his career. Bo Nix, kind of up and down so far this season. It's been a weird Bo Nix year, right? Because whenever you whenever you look at Nix in the past, you've kind of expected him to play poorly on the road and to play well at home. And this season, we've seen him a couple different times not play fantastic at home, and he's played Pretty consistently on the road, you look at games against Penn State and LSU, he's not done really much of anything to lose the games for Auburn. In fact, in the LSU game, he just straight up won it for them almost single-handedly. But I'm going to be interested to see what he does against this Georgia defense this weekend. Again, the numbers have not been incredibly impressive when you look at him up and down uh, statistically over the course of these first five games. But I have reason to believe that he is progressing. When you look at his overall product, he is progressing as a quarterback this season. Here's my question to you, Lance, and we did this last week with LSU. We compared the position groups. Who's got the better quarterback coming into this ball game uh, between Bo Nix and Stetson Bennett? If Stetson Bennett starts, it's Auburn. If JT Daniels starts, I think it's Georgia. And you look on Georgia's side of the ball, both quarterbacks are completing over 70% of their passes. That's Daniels and Bennett. 
Uh, five touchdowns, two interceptions for Daniel. Six touchdowns, two interceptions for Bennett. Bennett, slightly more mobile uh, than JT Daniels, but both of them ha- have pretty pretty solid arms and have been completing passes at a high rate. But you look at those numbers for Bennett, and they are slightly better than what Nix has been doing this season, at least from a completion percentage standpoint. But I like Nix in this ball game at home because, like I said, what we've seen so far from him in his career is he's just played better at home. He, he's only thro- he's never thrown a touchdown pass against Georgia in his career, but if it was going to come uh, at, at any point, I think this weekend would be a good opportunity for, it to, for, for him to throw one. And that's kind of the way that I look at the quarterback position battle between these two teams going into this ball game. I think Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels each offer something different to Georgia, and they also will approach the game slightly different, not dramatically different, because Georgia's still a run-first football team. They're still going to look to thrive in the short to intermediate passing game, whether it's JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett. But just go and look at the box score last week against Arkansas. They didn't have to throw the football, and they didn't really attempt to. They put the ball on the ground, and they elected to destroy and beat up Arkansas up front, whether it be on the offensive line or the defensive line. That's probably going to be the approach against Auburn this Saturday. Run the ball first, try and win this game in the trenches, and if they can, then you could see something like 2019 where it's 21-0 to at halftime because I really do believe, or 21-0 to going into the fourth quarter, I really do believe that Georgia is that good up front against anybody that they play on their regular season schedule, that they can do that to them if they control the trenches up front. The question is whether or not they'll be able to do that against Auburn, and I don't think that they will be able to dominate Auburn up front like they've done to pretty much every team that they've played throughout. The way that this Georgia team will approach the ballgame with Stetson Bennett will be a little bit more reserved than they will if they've got JT Daniels because there's just, simply put, there are throws that Stetson Bennett can't make that JT Daniels can and that simplifies the offense a little bit more from a passing standpoint when Stetson Bennett is the quarterback versus when JT Daniels is the quarterback whereas Auburn's offense is wide open if Bo Nix is the quarterback which he is and so with it being more wide open for Auburn on the offensive side of the football in comparing these two position groups I agree with what you said if it's Stetson Bennett at quarterback for Georgia I like Auburn I think Auburn's got the better quarterback. I, I'm not going to say that I like Auburn to win the ballgame, but Bo Nix is the better quarterback versus Stetson Bennett. But then JT Daniels versus Bo Nix, that Georgia offense opens up a little bit more. And, and right. in that case, I would say it's JT Daniels that I would give the edge. Yeah, and that, that, that's what I was about to say is when you look at Daniels as a passer, you know, we, he's she's shown the ability at Georgia over the course of what is what a complete season, I guess, over the course of two years, but a complete season of games, he's shown the ability to stretch the field and throw the ball downfield. Stetson Bennett has not really done that so far. You look at his game logs from last season, eight touchdowns, six interceptions, 55.5% completion percentage, 1,100 yards, threw three interceptions against Alabama, threw two against Kentucky, and then threw a pick against Florida. But you look at this offense and the way that it operates this season, and like you mentioned, Noah, I think it's slightly different with Todd Munkin. They're, with Stetson Bennett, they're going to be taking those short to intermediate passes, even with JT Daniels. And I think that's the, they just want to operate comfortably with their quarterback. They don't want to do anything too crazy. But like you also mentioned, I don't think that Georgia is going to be able to dominate Auburn up front 
uh, in terms of the offensive line play for Georgia. So if, if Stetson Bennett wants to throw in this game, if he elects to throw, I think we're going to see Auburn try and put a little pressure on him. And I think his numbers are going to reflect more of what we saw last season, closer to 55% completion percentage, maybe a turnover, which could be huge. I don't think that Bennett is going to be able to get away with what he did against Auburn last season, which was 240 yards, passing a touchdown, no interception, 60% completion percentage. I don't think he's going to do that. Not, not, in, not in Jordan Hare. I think that's a factor that I keep coming back to is if I'm trying to talk myself into Auburn winning this game, the crowd and the pressure that Auburn's going to be able to put on Bennett, I think are the two biggest things for me. I agree with you there. I think when you look at this game from the trenches, I don't think Auburn's going to get pushed around by Georgia's offensive line. I think that you're going to be able to see Auburn's defensive line, Auburn's linebackers play downhill continue to try and get some of those tackles for loss in the run game. Auburn is number two in the country in tackles for loss per game this year, only behind Troy. And Auburn's played some good football teams up to this point at LSU and Penn State. So I think that that's a legit number at this point. Auburn should be able to limit what Georgia wants to do in the ground game. Can Auburn get pressure on whichever these Georgia quarterbacks starts? I don't know because I think Georgia does have a good pass-protecting offensive line. But at the same time, I don't think that Georgia's going to really be stretching the field a whole lot with their passing game because that's just not what they do. When we were looking at those statistics yesterday, Georgia's run-pass split is 62% to 38%. They run the ball a lot. It's at the heart of what they do. First down, second down, they're going to run the football. They might mix in a pass or two on early downs. But really, this offense is about setting up the passing game or setting up the play-action pass by establishing it on the ground. That's what you can expect from Georgia. I think Auburn, I think that plays into Auburn's strength on the defensive side of the football. I don't think you're going to see Georgia just maul Auburn and the, the offensive line look like a bunch of you know tractors just hauling dirt and everything around. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that what you see, though, on the other side of the football for Auburn, though, the real question is can the Auburn offensive line stand together and, and uphold against what is a terrifying Georgia front seven that is excellent at stopping the run, is excellent at creating sacks and negative plays. That's where the question lies. And that is a place where Auburn could get dominated. It 100% is. So I think that, you know, you look at the quarterback position, it's going to be heavily impacted by what these offensive lines can do. And we can get to that in a second. Let's go to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. And Ty the Tigers on the phone with us. What's up, Ty? Uh, not much, guys. Um so uh, two things. Um, I didn't know if y'all heard the um, anything on the TD uh, Moultrie um, status for the game this weekend and uh, what they were saying about him. And I just I just kind of wanted to call in about that. I heard something, but I don't know how true it is. I don't know what if you know if there's any substance if it's all internet or or what. And I just didn't know if you guys had any insider information on, on that. All I don't I, have any inside information on it, Lance. I, I I don't know. Sorry to cut you off, Lance. Go no, ahead. No, you're good. All I've heard is is, is I, I assume what Noah and you have heard, Ty, which is that he's out, and that it's uh, according to what I've heard, it's not a disciplinary issue. He's just either it's I, I would assume based on what we've 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 been told, it's either COVID or some type of injury. One one of the two. I'm not sure. Well, a 24-7 sports article the other day written by Philip Marshall says that it is a – well, it says sources tell Auburn Undercover that Moultrie's dealing with a compliance matter. So who knows? But yeah. one thing is for sure, it's it's kind of up in the air. Yeah, so what I heard was – and again, I ain't trying to start no rumors or whatever, What, but what I've read is just, it was a compliance issue about a recruiting, uh, recruiting violation um, 
called in from somebody from a certain school in Florida. So um, I just thought that was, you know, again, you, you hear stuff, never know the uh, actual how much substance is, is, is in the smoke. You know what I mean? Right. But, yeah. um, but guys, I, I do want to say that, you know, um, I, I just – I'm, you know, I know everybody's just so happy with Bo Nix this this uh, this week and after this game and everything. I'm really, I'm, you know, I, I look, I commend the guy. He was out there fighting for his job. You know, he did everything in his possible athletic power to do it. I can't do what he did at all, and I don't, I don't mean to, to, to say that he didn't have a spectacular game or, I mean, absolutely play his heart out. But let's just be real. That's it's not going to work this weekend. It's it's not that that is that what happened last weekend is not going to work. What happened the weekend before that and weekend at Penn State, that's not going to work. Um, you know, and so I mean, you know, being that this is, I mean, to me, I mean, is there any question this is the best defense in the nation? I mean, I don't I don't think Bama's or anybody else is even close. Um, I mean, would you guys agree with that statement? Yeah, I agree with that. I think Georgia's I, – I don't know if I would say nobody's close. I think Alabama's at least in the same realm. But Georgia has the best defense in the country. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean, okay. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I think if you look at teams, you know, Bama and Georgia are up there. But as far as, you know, uh, defense, I mean, Bama's – Bama don't have no defense like these guys. I mean, this Davis is going to be a, a menace to society um, and Jordan Harris Saturday. I don't know. I have no idea who's going to block him. And I don't have any idea how – Tank's going to chip them or, 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 you know, double or what. But, um, but you know, how long do you guys give, you know, Bo Nix on this weekend? Playing, let's just say you're, you're playing the number one defense. Um, you know, you are at home. So, you know, Bo does play better at home. Um, that is proven. But, I mean, how, how long do you give how, – how, what kind of a leash do you give them? You know, we saw TJ for one – one series of plays versus LSU, and I don't really know what that kind of that kind of was questioning. Bo did come in and win the game, but I mean, guys, Mississippi State was running all over LSU. I mean, they don't have a pass rush, they don't have a, a rush defense. I mean, again, I say that because Mississippi State lines up five wide most of the time. You know what I mean? I mean, they're they're a passing team. They're not a running team at all. And Coach and, Harson said that T.J. Finley's drive was premeditated like it was pre-planned he was gonna go out there for that third drive regardless of what happened in the ball game I don't think there's a quarterback controversy there Ty I think it's Bo the whole game you think okay so no matter what I mean 35 nothing in the second half TJ Finley don't come out I mean if he's if Bo Nix has thrown you know four interceptions or it's just absolutely going horrible if, if it is atrocious I, I mean I, I could see them bringing TJ Finley out there just to try something but I think Bo I, – I don't even know if there was this lack of respect for Bo going into this week in Baton Rouge because, like I said, it was pre-planned that he was going to go – that T.J. Finley was going to go out there on the third drive, and things weren't going great for Bo after the first couple of drives when they did bring T.J. out there. T.J. doesn't really get anything going. He has one big play, gets brought back about 15 yards for a stupid penalty, and then T.J.'s, di- uh, TJ's drive ends, and then Bo's back out there, and then that's when everything really kind of turned around from an offensive standpoint – but, you know, what if Bo was just hurt for the Georgia State game and that was heavily impacting his play and maybe now he's back to full health and maybe there wasn't ever really inside the locker room, inside the program, uh, this quarterback controversy that everybody was talking about last week. Maybe everybody kind of knew that he was banged up a little bit and that was affecting his play. I, again, 
I, I and 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 I'm just being honest with you. I just I don't. I, I even if he play if he plays at a hundred percent, I still think he, he. You know, he's not. I don't just. I, he's not going to be the guy who's going to beat this team. Um, and that's just my opinion. But I hope we do, man. I, I ain't gonna lie. You know, it'd be awesome to to, to shake to shock the nation and, and beat that defense. I really enjoy it. Um, hey, look, I love listening to you guys. I'm gonna hang up and listen. Um, War Eagles as always. Appreciate it, Ty. War Eagle to you as well. Really appreciate the phone call, Ty. And yeah, I kind of agree with what he's saying. I don't think that Finley is is going to be the guy that would win this game. But when you look at Knicks right now, he's only completing what fifty eight percent of his passes. He had that phenomenal game against LSU, and I think he is progressing as a quarterback. But I just don't know if if he will be able to get it done at the end of the day against this Georgia defense, which has been phenomenal. And like you mentioned, Jordan Davis is a guy that Auburn's going to have a, a difficult time game planning for. So when you look at making Knicks comfortable, and that's something that we talked about earlier this week, is you know Knicks looked incredibly comfortable in Baton Rouge. He's not going to look comfortable, I don't think, at home. Auburn's going to have to do a lot of things schematically to try to get the ball out of his hands quickly and to get it in space and to see if they can make some of these Georgia linebackers and defensive backs miss because – letting Knicks have time to throw down the field, I don't think he's going to have it. You know, and I don't mean this to be snarky. I mean this in, in good fun But to, to both of you guys. But I say this, it's not like any of our analysis here shocks the masses. Have we seen what the line is? It's 15 and a half to Georgia on the road. It's already moved a point over a day, right? Or over a couple of days, rather. Uh, yesterday it was 14 and a half. Today it's 15 and a half. It, it's, it's increasing. So that tells you that, a lot of those bets, and I haven't looked at the splits, and I can go and look at this on Pro Football Focus over the break, but you know, if, if a lot of that money and a lot of those bets both ways like are going towards Georgia, there's a lot of faith in what Georgia's going to be able to do. And you know, it's not like our analysis is shocking the masses here. It's a 15.5-point favorite coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium. 15.5 on the road and what is one of the toughest places to play for their two best rivals – that are consistent, consistently in the top five when they come to play Auburn here, you know? like So I, I know that may sound a little snarky, but on the flip side, like who else on this roster gives Auburn a chance to win better than Bo Nix? I, I think Bo Nix is the guy who gives Auburn the best chance to win. Now, will he get it done? Once again, I go back to saying no is not some bold take or anything like that. Honestly, it's probably it, it probably is the right take at the end of the day on Saturday night. Because Georgia's favored by 15 and a half, and they're one of the best teams in the country. I think what you have to look at here is who gives Auburn the best chance to win and maybe cut the guy a little bit of slack. And I know that's not you. I know neither of you guys are, are you know, dragging him over the coals or anything like that. I'm just saying that let's let the guy go out there, play a game without breathing down his neck. It's going to be a – it could end up being a long day on Saturday, but it's also against what everybody's lauding is the best defense in the country, which also – it is the best even the con- defense in the country, but – I do think its statistics are skewed a little bit because they're getting to play kindergartners on offense every week at, <laughs> at this point, you know? So, like, I, I do think that there's still some more football to be played to truly have the full picture of this Georgia football team. But with each week, I mean, they did beat Arkansas last week 37-0. With each week, it's coming more, it's becoming more and more clear. The clarity is there after, you know, a couple more weeks, I think, with a lot of these teams in college football. But I would just let Bo Nix go out there, play a game, try and figure it out, try and get better. And uh, if Auburn can keep it close, even if Auburn doesn't win, I think you should have incredible optimism 
for the rest of this season that Auburn could beat everyone left on their schedule if this thing ends up being close. Yeah, and I just said what you just said about Bo Nix, right? I was like, Finley, I don't trust him to go out there and get and win the game. I also don't trust trust Nix to do it, frankly. And like you said, that's probably going to be the correct take at the end of the day. I don't trust either of these two quarterbacks to go out there and win the game right now. Flat out, as an Auburn fan, I, sure, we can cut these two players slack. We can cut Nick slack. Like I said, I think he's progressing as a quarterback. But I just right now, with the way that Georgia's defense is playing, don't think there's a quarterback in the room that can go out there and, and, and win the game for Auburn. And, and, and I want to add to that, when was the last time that we ever had confidence that right. a quarterback was going to go out there and win it? Nick that, Marshall? That's exactly what I was about to say. Is like I don't think we've seen a quarterback in this room heading into this game where we could look at him and say, yeah, this guy's going to win it in a very long time. We've lost just, the last the four games. of the Auburn-Georgia rivalries like and Auburn-Alabama rivalry. Like, Just look at the last decade. When did you go into a ball game against Georgia Alabama and you're like, yeah, we're going to do this? You know, I mean, maybe the Alabama game in 2017 after what you did to Georgia, but even going into that Georgia game, nobody was giving Jarrett Stidham a chance to do it after some of the stuff they had seen from him against LSU earlier in the year and then Clemson at the beginning. I think the really the last time that you could say that Auburn went into a Georgia game with some serious confidence, that at least from a fan perspective, was when Nick Marshall was the quarterback. <laughs> and it's going to be really tough to ask either of these guys to win the game and not be disappointed if if Auburn doesn't win the game and and either of the quarterbacks have a good performance I don't think let's head to a quick break and when we come back we'll take a look at some keys and some upcoming other college football matchups this weekend you're listening to On the Line Back on On the Line, Lance Dahl, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama Going to head back to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. And Travis is on the line with us. What's up, Travis? Going on, guys. How y'all been this week? Doing great. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, I'm uh, – if I lose y'all, I'm sorry about it. I'm in with Tumpkin. My son, Pat, has a dentist appointment, so I'm waiting on him to get out while he's getting his, his teeth clean. But, uh, guys, you know, I, I, that was a gutsy performance by Bo down there in Death Valley. And, and I know – LSU ain't that good, and I understand that. But at the same time, that's a night game in Death Valley. It don't right. get much more difficult than that right there. And uh, I think the quarterback controversy needs to be canned. You know, just go with the best player, which I think is clearly Bo Nix. Um, but, guys, you know, the highlight plays from Bo, that's what got him to where he is today. That's what made him a five-star, number one dual-threat quarterback coming out of high school. You know, that's the kind of player he is. You, you don't take – Lamar Jackson and make him throw from the pocket 100% of the time. You allow him to improvise and use his biggest asset, which is his feet. Uh, you know, he throws 100 times better on the run than he does from the pocket. And so my first question to you guys is, why did Mike Bobo continue to call plays for Bo from the pocket? Because this man would throw a slant route, and he'd almost knock somebody's headset off on the sidelines. He wasn't even close. <laughs> I think the answer to that is that they're trying to get those get their opponents this year to at least have to respect the threat of the passing game. And if they don't if you don't do that, then teams are just going to keep stacking the box against Auburn and the running game's going to suffer. And we saw that against Georgia State. I think they had to keep a commitment to the passing game to at least try and figure it out, which they did. They ended up figuring it out, and it pulled LSU players out of the tackle box, which allowed the running game to take off and close the ball game out, which is what you saw in the last couple of drives. So I think they they knew if this week against Georgia wasn't 
Like if you wanted to avoid what happened to Arkansas last week, you had to figure out the passing game or else Auburn would be getting blanked 37 to nothing this week if all they can do is run the football. I mean, in talking about the run game, if, if you let Bo read the defensive end, number one, that's one less guy to block that's in the box for the offensive lineman. It makes it easier on them. And Tank or Jarquez, whoever's in there. And, I mean, I think Bo should be getting 10 to 15 carries on design quarterback runs or at least read options. And I don't want to go back to the Gus Malzahn offense by any means, but, I mean, this guy is, is electric with his feet and his legs. And especially a game like LSU when you can't get the run game going. I think it helped out tremendously. And I think it's a reality we could be living in this weekend, right? If Tank is not 100%, Auburn can't rely on Jarquez Hunter alone to get it done. And like you said, we saw that last weekend. I can imagine that Auburn's going to want to go to a couple of different option-style looks and let Bo Nix try and run the ball. Now, will he have a lot of success against Georgia? I'm not sure, but at least it'll keep Georgia honest in terms of making them account for both the running back and the quarterback. Yeah, and I think if, if he if he continues to throw from the pocket and they continue to call plays that make him throw from the pocket, he's just going to end up getting benched again because that's not that's not who he is. I mean, it's obvious by now he's not going to develop into a pocket passer, so don't make him try to be one. Um, but, uh, guys, I heard the, the caller in the first segment, Ty the Tiger, and uh, I like this call, but I, I had to disagree with him. Guys, I think the only chance that we beat Georgia is if Bo makes highlight plays. You know, that's the only way, if you think about it, that, that a big, you know, two-plus touchdown underdog, that, that's the only way they win the game. You, you see the highlights from that quarterback from Ole Miss and, you know, Johnny Menzel and the plays that they made to, to upset Alabama. Uh, you know, they didn't stay in the pocket and just run a base offense. They scrambled and made plays outside the pocket. If we just line up and run tank, run Jarquez, throw to our average receivers who, who hadn't shown they can get any separation – then we'll get beat by 20-plus, guys. But, you know, I think if both scrambles and keeps drive up, drives alive on third down, try to get him into some third and threes, third and fours, and then, you know, he can run for first downs, it might frustrate the defense. Then you get the crowd behind him, and then, you know, who knows, guys? Anything can happen. Yeah, once the crowd gets into it, it's definitely a momentum builder, and I think start things will start to shift in Auburn's favor if they can get a drive going pretty quickly. And yeah, like you mentioned, Knicks is going to have to have a little magic this weekend in order for Auburn to get past Georgia. I just hope those scrambles don't turn into turnovers against what is a really talented Georgia defense. Travis, we got to let you go. Appreciate the phone call. We're heading up to a quick break. And on the other side of it, we go back to the phone line. Stick with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner here with you. Going to go ahead and back to the phone lines. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. If you want to text us, you can text 334-564-1840. But we're going to head to the phone lines now, and Shane is on the line with us. What's up, Shane? Hey guys, how y'all doing? Doing great. How are you doing? Um, well, I was just uh, just want to put some optimism out there. Some of the callers just seem to be just we got no chance. So why 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 are we even playing? Um, first off, the, the, Georgia is a really good team. I mean, they always have been, always will be, probably. But how are they 
so dominant right now uh, in everybody's eyes. They're the best, absolute best team. Uh, just because of their stats they put up against inferior opponents. I, don't I mean, it does look like they're playing kindergartners on offense. That is true. So, so, so I'm certain. You know, Hoover is going to have some, some, uh, some good, some good, uh, good stats against some, some, some Vanderbilts and these teams. Uh, <laughs> did, did, didn't we not put up like, you know, 100 points in two games and, and, sh- and yeah. almost shut out two back teams? So I'm just saying, you know, it's just, it's they're a good team, yeah, but. You know, Arkansas was this great team too. You know, and then and then we just we realized that that they're just they're a good team, and you know, we just like to hype teams up for for the game for entertainment. When I mean, they got a good they got a couple of good players up front, but you know, we we got some good players on our team too. And and like the last guy was saying uh, that called in, if he's if if we got Bo that scrambles, that's his bread and butter. And I and I and I'm, I agree with the with the guy last that that said that you know if he can get out there and scramble around, you know I think we we have a good chance if we just want to just line up and run the ball like we might have done a two like two years ago under previous regimes, then we would just run the ball straight to the middle even though that's where the best players are on their on the defense and we we, we would get destroyed. I just don't feel like that's that's the way it's going to be. Hartson just seems like he's a smart dude and. And uh, he's got the team ready to play, and they're playing here. They're not playing away. This is where Bo does thrive, is at home. So maybe just a little bit of optimism out there would, would go a long way. Maybe maybe your players are listening to you, and, and instead of, well, they're not going to do well because because they're the best team in the country. Why, you know? So let's, let's have some more optimism in there, and, and maybe we'll trickle down. And, you know, maybe, maybe we can do well. Maybe we can win. Who knows? I think it's definitely War, War Eagle. Appreciate it, Shane. Yeah, I definitely think that it's possible. Think think that there's definitely an opportunity for Auburn to go out there and win. They still are really talented. They've got talent on roster. This coaching staff, I think, is moving in the right direction. Um, but I think there is a balance between optimism, and I'm not saying Shane's not being rational because everything he's saying is like it's possible. It's not. It's not like it's a definitive Georgia's going to win. But I think there's there's a line between saying like. Bo Nix is going to be fantastic and saying, you know, look at this Georgia defense, what they're, the way that they're playing right now. With the way that Bo Nix has played in his career, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to be elite against this team. I know it's at home. There are definitely different sides to look at it. What are your thoughts, Noah? I'm cool with some optimism. You know what I think. I'll give my pick tomorrow, but you know what I think, wink, wink. I like this Auburn team a lot. And there's something Auburn-y about this Auburn team, if you know, if you catch my drift. Yep. There's something. Auburny about them. I mean, you had a last-second touchdown against Georgia State a couple of weeks ago, which is nothing to be proud about. Not at all. I understand that, but I'm just saying there's something, something different. You know, where where you're like, oh, this team's starting to. There's a clutch factor there with this football team, and I know they lost a close game against Penn State a couple of weeks ago, but they've played three really close games in a row. They've been in three battles in a row. This team's tested at this point. And I think they're starting to believe in themselves. And that's kind of the magical ingredient for Auburn football teams, isn't it? You think back to all those teams that did something special when nobody expected it. They flew under the radar. And despite the fact that the rest of the country didn't believe in them, at any point, they still were able to find a way to believe in themselves. And they ended up doing some special things. I'm not saying this team is that, but there is that Auburny quality, that Auburnness that seems to be appearing in this in this squad. And 
it's an odd year by odd. I mean, like 2021, like the, the in digit is it's an odd number, not an even number and odd number years are the years where crazy stuff happens. Why? Because those are years where Auburn's playing Georgia and Alabama at home. And that home field environment is something that people discount completely because all across the country, people discount that completely because a, they're not from here. They don't watch every single Auburn game. They don't cover Auburn on a day-to-day basis. They don't. They don't just keep their eyes glued to Auburn. And it's so it's so preposterous, you know, when you look at this line and you see Georgia's favored by 15 and a half points. Logically, every you're right. That's what I said earlier in the in the first segment of the show. I said it's not like you're making some bold statement. You're actually joining the masses if you say that Georgia's going to win this football game. You know, I mean, like. Just look at it on paper. I mean, that's the truth, you know, but I also think there's value in what Shane is saying as well. Like, I don't think that that matters. I said in the first segment as well, you go back to any time that Auburn has played Georgia and has shocked Georgia. Like, did you go into it with real confidence? When was the last time that you went into a Georgia game with confidence in your quarterback that you're like, yeah, this guy's going to get it done. I, I, the last time that Auburn did that was 2013 with Nick Marshall. And that even was thrown into question because of the way that that Auburn defense played in that ball game and Georgia's massive comeback that they had. So it's just, it's not often in the last decade that we've gone into these games confident. It's not, but that hasn't stopped this team from making it close. That hasn't stopped this team from winning these games. You look at the last four games that Auburn has played Georgia and Jordan Hare stadium, Auburn's two and two. And in the two losses, they've lost by a touchdown or less. This isn't being played in Sanford stadium. This is being played in Jordan Hare Stadium. If you you know, it just it's scary movie season. It's October. Jordan Hare Stadium is where dreams go to die. And so I'm you know I, I'm not leaving it out of the realm of possibility that Auburn pulls some upset this week. I wouldn't be shocked if Auburn pulled an upset this week because we've seen it. I'd be pleasantly I'd you know I'd be pleased. I'd be pleasantly surprised. You know, but I wouldn't just be jaw on the floor shocked if Auburn pulled this upset and I think a lot of the country would honestly I think a lot of the people inside Auburn would be not inside the program but I just mean inside the Auburn fan base inside the Auburn beat I think a lot of people would be shocked whereas I think you have to give Auburn a serious chance to win this football game and I think it's preposterous to say that they don't have a serious chance to make it competitive you talked about this team being battle-tested earlier, and I think one spot that you can definitely look at in terms of being battle-tested is the quarterback spot. This uh, this stat here is from Justin Hokinson. Bo Nix will face his 12th top 15 team in what will be his 30th career game at Auburn. 40% of Nix's starts are against top 15 opponents. Basically, every other start he's having, he's facing a top 15 team. Bo Nix is no stranger to teams like Georgia. This is not something where we're walking in and we're like, oh, Bo Nix has not seen this before. I know this defense is good, but he's seen this before. He actually mentioned that in the press conference that they had uh, yesterday talking about Jordan Davis and the defensive line that Georgia has. He was like, oh, I've seen things like this before. And I know that I'm going to have to make a lot of plays. And I know this team is going to have to be good and they're going to have to be sound. But it's not like I've not seen anything like this before. I've seen guys like Jordan Davis. I've I've managed to get around them, in fact. And that's what Nick said. He's like, I'm just going to have to scramble around them and make plays. And he did that last week. Like you said, there's something special about this, this Auburn team. It feels like the clutch factor is there. If Auburn's going to have a chance this Saturday, I think you got to have a little bit of that Auburn magic mixed in there as well. And I'm not leaving it out of the realm of possibility that Auburn wins this game. I just think whenever you look on paper, like you said, Noah, it's going to be really tough to pull off. Yeah, 100%. On the one hand, it's very fair to say 
that Georgia deserves to be favored by 15 and a half points and that they're a good football team, a great football team. I'm selling them short when I say they're good. They're a great football team. They should be favored by everything that we've seen at this point this year out of Auburn and Georgia both. They should be favored. But just because a team is favored doesn't mean they're going to win the football game. And that's the other side of this. I know that's not what you're not right. what you're saying. I'm summarizing it here is that on the one hand, yes, they should be favored based on everything that we've seen this year. But on the other hand, um, I don't think that that matters if, if we automatically just like Shane said, why do you even play the season? It's still way too early in college football to just start writing stuff off. And I think Auburn's getting better every week. Aside from that Georgia State game, I think you've seen Auburn get better every single week. So let's see how it plays out. I think it's ridiculous to write Auburn off in this game, especially when you look at the history of Auburn's rivalry games against Georgia and Alabama. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And if there are, you know, fans of both Georgia and Alabama that aren't at least a little bit worried to come to Jordan Hare Stadium. Um, you know, that you might end up finding yourself in a ball game on Saturday that you, you know, that you wouldn't have expected it to be that close. You know, I, I'm not expecting Georgia to cover in this game. Just got a text from Spectre. 334-564-1840 is the number to text. And he said he has Auburn winning 17 to 14 in War I Eagle. Love I love it. I love the optimism. And it's not like I'm out here condoning optimism. I'm saying like, no, don't don't say Auburn's gonna win. Don't a be a fan. Thing to condone, Lance. <laughs> no, it's like we're 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 not we're not we're not we're not set out here saying it's like no, you can't you can't be optimistic. I just want to be rational, but I love the optimism. Before we before we go to break here, I want to wrap up the segment going back to what we were talking about to open the show. I want to break down each of the offensive position groups in this Auburn Georgia matchup. I want to get to the running backs now, and I think Georgia. From a depth standpoint, I think they've got a little bit on Auburn, but in terms of talent, I think Auburn's one-two punch with Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bixby is elite. It's better than the Georgia backfield. I've asked this question all week long. Can you name a backfield in college football that is better than the tandem of Tank Bixby and Jarquez Hunter? Because I'll tell you this, with the way that you've seen the two guys play at this point, those guys individually would start at just about anywhere in the country, if not everywhere. That's how good this backfield is, 100%. And so I, I like this group a lot. I think that they're, I, I think they are leaps and bounds better than what Georgia's got at running back. I, I didn't even have to think about this position group when you're comparing the two. Who's got the better running backs? Auburn's got the better running backs. Easy. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. You look at Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby in this game. You look at both of these guys having over 400 yards rushing at this point. Jarquez Hunter currently leads the nation in yards per attempt. Look, I know this defensive line for Georgia is good, but Auburn's running backs haven't been half bad either. And again, I'm not saying that we're, we're, we're coming into this game expecting to lose by 15 and a half. As a, as a fan, I want to be optimistic. I don't want to tell everybody out there reluctantly, it's like, oh, well, I guess you can be optimistic, but that's not the way that you should look at it. Have that optimism. Have that optimism because players like Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby give, give Auburn a chance. Without a doubt. Let's move to a different position group. I don't think that that's one that's got much question. <laughs> Wide receiver, uh, I think, is, is definitely a concern for both of these teams, I feel like, in this game because... You look at the tight end position, it seems like it's been a little bit more productive uh, for both of these teams uh, than the receiver spot has been. Yeah, Auburn's receivers, I think right now, if you're talking about the passing game, and, and I'd give the edge to Georgia here easily, this is another one where I didn't have to think about it. Auburn's receivers right now in the passing game for the Tigers, that's the problem. 
I, I, I think if you saw a massive, like if Seth Williams and Schwartz and Stove were in this offense, this team, it, oh man, this, this is a borderline. This is a top 10 matchup this weekend. Undefeated top 10 matchup. The LSU game wouldn't have been close. I think you'd, we'd be talking about this game a lot different if Auburn's receiving core from last year had stayed, which all three of them could have stayed. But I understand. Go and make the money in the NFL. Go and, go and you know, cash in on the dreams at 100%. Go and do that if you've got the opportunity. And so, But if you had even one of those guys back and you paired them up with Demetrius Robertson and Kobe Hudson and then this tight end room, I even think you're talking about this game differently. Even one of those receivers back, like say Seth Williams came back and he got drafted away, like so you can make the argument that Seth Williams should have came back. If Seth Williams came back, added a little bit more to his route tree, man, how different would we be talking about this football game? Because Auburn would have beat Penn State. Auburn would have beat LSU by a lot more. We'd be talking about this game in a vastly different way, but that's just not that's not how we're talking about it. And at this point, these receivers are still having a hard time getting open. I'm curious to see how they handle Georgia's physical secondary. They may not be one of – I think they are a top secondary in, in, in this conference. I don't know if they're the top secondary, but I think they are in that top four category. Man-to-man coverage, very physical. They haven't been tested yet, though. They're young, as Pro Football Focus called them. They're raw as sushi, okay? They're young, raw talent. The, it is, the, it is, the potential is there for them to be a beastly group, but they, are, they still haven't been tested, so we don't know a whole lot about them yet. But opposing quarterbacks have one TD to seven interceptions this year, I'll tell you that, and less than a 50% completion percentage. The pass rush is working, which makes these guys not have to be in man-to-man coverage for a long time. And then mistakes are being made and they're capitalizing off of it. These guys pretty much have to stay in coverage for three seconds. And if they can, Georgia is probably winning that pass play, winning that individual down. They've been that good. Is Auburn's receiving core going to be able to get separation from the Georgia secondary? And that is an area where I have major concerns. I think Bo Nix is going to be able to extend plays. I think he's going to make good decisions at home. The question is, can these receivers give him more than a centimeter wide window to throw into? And at this point, that is not that is not shown on film. If Williams was still here, like you mentioned, I think we de- we definitely would have had a shot to win that Penn State game because I think we score on one of those deep balls that Nick's was throwing, where he was throwing it to the moon. I think Williams manages to get up to the moon and make that catch. Uh, and, and in this game, I definitely have a lot more confidence in this receiver room. I did mention, I believe it was on yesterday's show, that Georgia has a plethora of receivers that are averaging over 13 yards per catch. And you look at these receivers, Brock Bowers averaging 15.1, Jermaine Burton 17.2, Mitchell 17.4, Luke McConkie 13.2, Lad McConkie, I'm sorry. And then uh, and then uh, Kiaris Jackson, who was the one that was talking smack the other day, is averaging 11.8 yards per catch on five catches. So this receiver room's been really efficient. This offense for Auburn, I feel like, has also been really efficient in different areas as well. It's going to be interesting to see what these passing offenses look like on Saturday because I don't believe either of them are going to be particularly impressive. On the other side of this break, we wrap up the show. Wrapping up our number one of On the Line, Lance Dong and Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. I want to get back to... These offensive position groups kind of wrap up our number one of the show, taking a look at the rest 
of the units. And I think the final two units that we have to take a look at, because we didn't really talk about the tight end position specifically outside of these receivers, even though they can kind of get clumped in, but the tight end and the offensive line, Brock Bowers for Georgia, like I mentioned, 272 passing or receiving yards, rather 15.1 yards per catch four touchdowns. He's been phenomenal. And then John Samuel Schenker for Auburn, 236 uh, receiving yards, 13.1 yards per catch along of 35 yards, as Noah mentioned earlier in the show, that long pass from T.J. Finley on the third series of the game against LSU. How often do you think both of these teams in the passing game are going to go to these two teams or to these two players, Noah? I think Auburn's going to go to their tight end a lot. I don't know if I can say the same for Georgia. I mean, that's a part of Georgia's offense, and that has that's not anything new that we've seen from Georgia. So I, I still expect them to go to Bowers. But at this point, I think it's easy to say – that John Samuel Shanker is the go-to receiver for Bo Nix and Auburn right now. And it's not particularly close. Like all of the other receivers right now, they're kind of sharing touches. They're sharing targets. But I th- there are a lot of plays specifically designed for John Samuel Shanker where he's like the first read and he's making play after play. Now, granted, he had some drops. One of them egregious in the LSU game, but I also think he's been asked to make some really difficult catches, some of which he's made, some of which he hasn't. And look, looking at John Samuel Shanker coming into the year, I don't think I expect, I didn't expect him to make some of the catches that he has made this year. I think if anything, he has improved his draft report, his draft stock. This guy has added so many things to his game, or maybe it's just always been there. And for some reason, Gus Malzahn never wanted to use it. But one thing is for sure, I think you should expect Almer to go to John Samuel Shanker and go to him often. You should be able to get him into some one-on-ones with how aggressive this Georgia defense can be at times. I think John Samuel Shanker's playing really well right now, and I think Bo Nix is doing a great job. I feel most comfortable, honestly, in this passing game when Bo Nix is throwing to John Samuel Shanker. It seems like every time that, he, that he's throwing the football to Shanker, it is on target, and he's typically open. And then sometimes you got the, the the passes that they throw to him in the seam where he may be covered, but Bo Nix puts it exactly on the money where it needs to be at for John Samuel Shanker to turn around and make the back shoulder catch. I've just been super impressed with John Samuel Shanker. He is the number one receiver in this group, and he's a tight end. I can't believe I'm saying that, but he, he is. I would like to see Auburn to go to him early and often to establish this passing game. I think the connection between Shanker and Nix has been special so far this season. And like you mentioned, whenever Nix finds Schenker, it's typically open. And if it's not, Nix is putting it where where the ball needs to be. I would expect Auburn, if they're going to try and get this passing game going, they're going to do what they did against LSU, which is try and find Schenker as, as often as they can. And as far as Brock Bowers goes, you know, with Stetson Bennett, if Auburn's game plan is to shut down the running game and force Bennett to throw – he's probably going to look to one of his favorite targets. I think we're going to see both these guys get involved a lot this weekend. I think they're going to be huge parts of the offense. Want to wrap it up, wrap up our number one here, talking about these offensive lines. And for Auburn's offensive line, I don't think that they're world beaters, but they've definitely played above, they've punched above their weight class. I feel like they're definitely playing better than they were last season. They've risen to the occasion in every single game where there's been some serious pressure that has awaited them Georgia LSU we had questions about how they would hold up and pass protection this week if they could give Bo next time and they met it against LSU and LSU's front is good very good and they're good at getting pressure on your quarterback with only three or four guys coming after you they're legit there's two areas of LSU's football team that is legit everywhere else it's not very good but the two areas where it where it is absolutely legit is the pass rush and then their passing game 
And Auburn was able to honestly stifle both of those things in that football game on Saturday, which should give you a little bit of confidence going into this game against Georgia and some of the areas that Georgia wants to be successful, namely them trying to get a pass rush with only three or four guys against Auburn's offensive line, whereas I think we've seen Auburn be able to hold up. As long as Jordan Davis doesn't throw a human being around to Bo Nix in the backfield, I think we ought to be all right. But Jordan Davis is very good, and uh, I think outside of him, there's still some opportunity for Auburn to bar the door a little bit, give Bo Nix some time to throw. I'm most excited to see what this game plan is going to look like coming from Auburn because they have tried something new every single week, and they continue to add to this offensive scheme. They continue to flesh out this playbook. I am so excited to see what Auburn does to counter what Georgia is doing on the defensive side of the football. That's going to do it for our number one of the show and our number two. We're going to get to our making headlines segment. We're going to break out down the uh, position groups on the defensive side of the ball in the Auburn-Georgia matchup, and we're going to get to some NFL picks. Stick with us. Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Really appreciate all of our callers in the first hour, and if you want to call in and give your thoughts on Auburn versus Georgia this weekend or anything going on in the sports world, 334-321-1390 is the number that will put you through, or text us at 334-564-1840. Want to go ahead and get to each of the defensive position groups in the Auburn-Georgia matchup. Going to be breaking those down for you guys, and I want to start with these defensive lines. I want to start with Georgia's defensive line specifically because that's what we were kind of talking about going hand-in-hand with Auburn's offensive line at the end of the first hour. You look at this defensive line, they've got a a lot of really talented guys. Specifically, though, you look at Jordan Davis uh, as the the big centerpiece, literally and figuratively. Ten tackles so far this season, 1.5 sacks, three tackles for loss, listed at 6'6", 340 pounds. Noah, does this defensive line outside of him, how does Auburn prepare for those guys as well, knowing that Jordan Davis is going to be wreaking havoc one way or another? One player can make a huge difference on the defensive line, and Auburn fans know that all too well with Derek Brown from two years ago, and he happened to also have Marlon Davidson with him. You think back to defensive lines before those guys got on campus. You had Carl Lawson and Carl Lawson, excuse me, and Montrevious Adams, and then Jeff Holland was on one of those defensive lines. I mean, you can look at one guy making a difference because all of a sudden the defense has to double team that player on every single play, and that even still may not be enough. But that frees up one on ones for you everywhere else on the offensive line if you're just in five man protection. And if you've got a good defensive line outside of that one player, they should be able to win some of those one-on-one matchups. And then when you blitz, that also creates a lot of chaos. Fortunately for Auburn, Georgia doesn't blitz a ton, 
but they could opt to in this game. They kind of, they're a balanced approach when it comes to blitzing. Sometimes they blitz more than others. In some of their games this year, they've blitzed, you know, as low as like 15% of the time, 17% of the time. But in other games, they've blitzed as high as 30% of the time, which, so it's not a super blitz heavy defense. It's in, it's in the middle of the spectrum in terms of blitzing heavy and, and not blitzing at all like LSU. But one thing is for sure, they're aggressive and they play downhill. And having one player like Jordan Davis in the center, you have to you have to put a lot of attention on him up front. You have to know exactly where he's at at all times. And Almer can't have any communication issues up front. Because if they do, then somebody's going to go unblocked and then somebody's going to get laid out in the backfield. At the end of the day, Auburn's going from a communication standpoint, Auburn will have to be the most prepared up front than we have seen them all season to be able to handle the impact of Jordan Davis alone. He's that good. And I think what we've seen from Auburn on the road this year against Penn State and LSU, communication up front, although on a couple of plays, maybe you've seen a guy whiff here and there, like on the last play of the Georgia State game where TJ Finley threw the touchdown pass. Sure, you may have seen that a couple of times, but I still think they're getting better. And in the two road environments Auburn's played in against two good defensive lines, Auburn's played well up front. Auburn's handled the pass rush very well at this point this year. Still has only allowed three sacks. And Bo Nix is good enough to evade pressure if it does happen to get into the backfield. I have confidence that Auburn's going to be able to to be able to hang at least well enough to be able to buy Bo enough time to be able to throw the football. My main question is, will this run game suffer this week? against a front seven that plays downhill and is really good. And Auburn's been really good at run blocking. But at the end of the day, you can either block these guys or you don't. You either can or you can't. And my question is, is Georgia's defensive front that good that even Auburn, who is a super talented run blocking team, can Auburn still keep those guys out of the backfield? That's that's a question. And I think that's going to be a really important factor in this game when you look at what Auburn wants to do from an offensive standpoint, right? A lot of things are going to branch off the running game for both these teams. And so the, the question is, is whether or not both these defensive lines can kind of shut that down and make the quarterbacks throw the football more than maybe these offensive coordinators want them to. You look at Auburn's defensive line, not going to have TD Moultrie most likely this weekend. Derek Call, Colby Wooden, some other guys. Marquise Burks is another guy that you can look at for Auburn that have been factors this season. Hall has 23 tackles and three sacks. Wooden has 22 and two sacks. You look at uh, Marquise Burks. He's currently Auburn's highest uh, in terms of tackles. He's current, uh, currently Auburn's highest uh, ranked uh, defensive tackle. Uh, he he has 10 on the season. Marcus Harris is another guy. Eku Liotta, who has been stepping in. He has three sacks so far this season. J.J. Begees, believe it or not, has been out on the field a little bit. We saw him in action both offensively and defensively uh, last weekend against LSU. Tony Fair has not been a guy that's been that's been in in terms of the stat sheet incredibly impressive, but he's also going to be somebody that's out there. Look, Auburn has the guys on roster, even without TD Moultrie, to kind of plug these holes. It's just a question or not of whether or not these linebackers can come in and clean up. And I believe Auburn has the linebackers to do so. Well, I'll say this real quick about this Auburn defensive line. And you, and you bring up Tony Fair not being super impressive at, at nose tackle. Nose tackles never have great stats. And the reason for that is that's just not what's asked of the position. Their job isn't to get into the backfield and make the play. Their defense is to hold the gaps. And, they have, and they're responsible for two, one to each side. And their job is to hold that point of attack and make things nasty, to muddy things up, 
to to make things just gross and disgusting in the interior and not allow that offensive line to get a push. He, he's basically just imagine having a super strong human being and their job is to keep a giant steel latch open while linebackers escape into the backfield. That That is what I think of when I think Tony Fair. And I think he's done a really good job of it. And I think all of these defensive linemen have done a really great job of holding the point of attack and allowing these linebackers to get downhill. Zagobi McClain, if this guy doesn't get hit for targeting, he's going to have over 100 tackles again this year. More than that because of what he did last year. He was able to do that in 10 games, 11 games. So I'm very impressed with how this defensive line has performed. I'll say this, in comparing the two position groups, because I know that's what we're doing right here, I give Georgia's defensive line the edge, but that's only because it's spectacular. Auburn's is very good in its own right as well, and they're not lagging that far behind. So is there really that big of a difference here? I'll say this. You have to break defensive line up into two different groups, and that's what we did last week with Auburn and LSU. I said LSU was the better pass-rushing defensive line. I was wrong in that football game because guess what? LSU got zero sacks. Auburn got three. And that actually kind of proved to be a big difference in the football game because Auburn was able to get some pressure on Max Johnson, whereas LSU really didn't get a whole lot on Bo Nix. Bo Nix looks super comfortable, maybe as comfortable as we've seen him ever. I don't want to go that far because Auburn has played some really bad teams. But against a good team, that's the most comfortable we've seen Bo Nix, home or away, against good football teams. He looked really, really comfortable out there. you got to give credit to what the offensive line did. And LSU just couldn't get any type of pass rush. But I think Georgia's a better pass rushing defensive line. Auburn is comparable to them, though, in run stopping. And easily I can say that because Auburn is second in the country, second in tackles for loss per game. Georgia is 61st. So Auburn is making plays in the backfield. Auburn's getting a lot of negative plays up front. Georgia is not in the running game. They are in the passing game, but they're not in the running game. So I'll say that these defensive lines, if Auburn is behind them, which I think they are, it's not by much. It's by very little. And honestly, it doesn't it doesn't make that big of a difference because I do think Auburn will be able to do enough on the defensive line to win that side of things in this game. We're talking about the battle in the trenches. I think Auburn's defensive line beats Georgia's offensive line, but I think Georgia's defensive line beats Auburn's offensive line. It's going to be a low-scoring game, I feel like, when it, as, as we continue to break down these position groups here. It does not feel like a whole lot of points are going to be scored if these offenses are not able to figure some things out. I want to go ahead and talk about these linebackers here real quick. Auburn's got a trio of really talented linebackers, but one of them is still listed as potentially not playing this Saturday, listed as questionable, but... They have two other guys that are really talented. Chandler Wooten and Sakobi McLean both have 35 tackles on the season. That is tied for uh, the, the team lead at Auburn. And then you look on Georgia's side of the ball, Nakobe Dean, Adam Anderson, 18 and 17 tackles respectively. But you look at the sack totals, three and a half for Nakobe Dean, four for Adam Anderson. Nolan Smith has two and a half as well. He's got 16 tackles. These linebackers for both of these teams, like you mentioned, they run three, four defenses and the defensive line's job is to kind of hold the point of attack and let these linebackers clean up, and boy, how do you have they this season? Yeah, this is another area where I'm comparing the two. This is one of the few linebacking cores in the country that actually matches Auburn's talent there. You know, you think of Alabama's talented group of, of linebackers. Georgia's got a couple of guys that are going to play at the next level, namely N'Kobe Dean, who reminds me a lot of Roquan Smith, who's playing for the Bears right now. And just how we talked about these linebackers. You know, we talked about Roquan Smith in this special light. Nicobe Dean has reached that level for Georgia also. But in, in Auburn's own right, Zacoby McLean is in that same is in that same sphere. And just like Zacoby McLean 
is the most talented linebacker in the country to not be talked about in terms of NFL draft stock. Like, I mean, think about how few, how, how little we hear about this dude in terms of translating to the next level. Have, have you heard anything, Lance? Not a whole lot, no. Exactly, but this dude is about to post up 200, uh, 200 tackles in two seasons. Yeah, that apparently doesn't translate to the NFL very well. And I get it. He's he's undersized. He's not your biggest linebacker in the world. And, you know, he doesn't ha- he doesn't possess blazing speed like an Owen Papo. But and I did think coming into this year, Owen Papo had a much higher draft ceiling than Zacobi than Zacobi McClain, just for the reasons that I just listed. But I think you see the, both of these guys have a pretty good shot to play or at least make a roster on Sundays next year. And Zacobi McClain is has been the guy holding down the fort right now with Owen Papo out. And you say Owen Papo's listed as questionable right now. I really hope he gets to play. I really do. From Lawrenceville, Georgia, this game's got to mean a lot to him. I'd love to see the guy be able to play in what could be his last Georgia game. You know, he could decide to come back. You never know. But what could be his last Georgia game, I'd love to see both of these guys healthy and being able to play because I I think that they will make such a big difference in stopping Georgia's running game. You need both of these guys on the field because we talked about this yesterday. Georgia runs the football a lot off tackle a lot, whether it's left or right. These guys run a lot of outside zone. They run a lot of power. They get their running backs behind their tackles and pulling guards, and they get them out on the edge. Auburn needs its linebackers that play so well, both of them. You need them on both sides of the field. Jacoby McClain may be ricochet rabbit, but he I don't know if he can cover the full distance of the sideline just because that that's very difficult to do. I'm not saying he's not talented enough to do it. I'm just saying that humanly possible, Jacoby McClain cannot play all 11 positions. He's just one person. To have both of those guys there to be able to have more ground to cover for them with this Georgia team that can pretty much run the ball left or right off tackle any direction that they want to and get this ball on the outside. You need those linebackers that are so good at making plays in space because Georgia's averaging about five yards per carry off tackle at this point, and that's their largest bracket of of plays ran this year. They love to get the ball out there with pulling guards. Auburn needs those two guys. I hope they both play. But I would say that Auburn's linebacking core, just as good as Georgia's, I would say these two are equivalent. I agree. I think they're both on the same level. And I I don't think that this is necessarily a hot take, but I really like Papo as a a, a linebacker for Auburn and not having him, if he doesn't get to play this weekend, is going to be crucial. I think that McLean is is incredibly talented, like you said, incredibly gifted athletes, is always there to make the tackle, it feels like. But in terms of Auburn's NFL talent and potential, I think Papo and McCreary are definitely up there at the top. I think Papo definitely has the best NFL potential out of these uh, three linebackers here between Wooten, McLean, and Papo himself. So not having him on the field against a, a Georgia team that has a lot of NFL potential and NFL talent on the offensive side of the ball, I think could be could potentially prove to be crucial this weekend. 100%. Let's talk about the secondary. The secondary for Auburn has uh, definitely had its ups and downs this season. There have been times where it's just been either a missed assignment, a blown coverage, just a, a, a bad missed tackle, anything. We, we've seen we've seen it all, but we've not seen it to the point where it's been like you look on the stat sheet of like, oh, Auburn's all, av- allowing like an average 250 passing yards per game or something like that. They've held things in front of them. It's just it's taking time for this secondary to kind of get comfortable in this Derek Mason scheme. And we saw them in the second half. It really was for for about two and a half quarters there uh, against LSU. We saw them kind of figure things out against uh, a team that likes to throw the football. Held to 90 passing yards, LSU was in that second half against Auburn. Interesting to see how many times Georgia's going to throw the football in this game. 
because I don't think the secondary is going to be asked to do a ton in this matchup. And you look on the the, the side of, for, for Georgia, 110 passing yards allowed per game for, for, the, for the Bulldogs so far this season. Their secondary has been all over the place. But again, I just don't know how much Auburn's going to be throwing the football and, and letting the secondary have opportunities to make plays. Going into this season, I, if you had asked me who had the better secondary, Auburn or Georgia, I would have told you Auburn. But the entire body of work for Auburn's secondary still is leaving work to be desired. I still need to see these guys consistently play as well as they did in the second half against LSU. Because right now, the first half performance from the Auburn secondary is putting Auburn in a hole. It is, just plain and simple. And can Auburn play like that for four quarters? We haven't seen that yet. We haven't. Even Georgia State was able to move the football through the air in the first half, and they're one of the worst passing teams in the country. They're an option team, Lance, an option team, and they were able to throw the football decently well in that first half against this Auburn secondary. I think the talent is there, and I do think they took a big step forward in the second half against LSU, but at this point, I would say the talent's there. Honestly, like Auburn's secondary is more proven than Georgia's secondary at this point across their entire careers. But the body of work from these two secondaries tells a different story in 2021 because Georgia's secondary has been devouring opposing quarterbacks, opposing receivers, and man-to-man coverage. Opposing quarterbacks are 46% passing, 48% passing, something like that. They're for sure below 50%, which is it's awful enough to be below 60%. These guys can't even complete half their passes, and they've thrown seven interceptions to just one touchdown. One touchdown, seven interceptions, 48% completion percentage. Terrible. Something, Only 110 yards per game. Something that we've also seen uh, a little bit this season is whenever you whenever you watch that Arkansas game, didn't it feel like some of the sacks that Georgia was getting and the tackles for loss, it felt like coverage sacks, right? And you go back and you watch that game, you watch the Clemson game, it feels like Georgia's secondary has been playing so well to a point where, where opponents are going to try and throw nothing's open in the defensive line if they're not able to get pressure immediately by the time that nobody's open the defensive line is already bearing down on the quarterback so I think that goes hand in hand with what Georgia's going to try and do defensively this Saturday to have that ability to drop guys back in coverage and just kind of let the defensive line go to work uh, and hold out for as long as possible you look top to bottom I think Georgia's defense is just incredibly talented it is, and that's nothing that we didn't know already. But I will say this from doing this exercise, I think that we can say Auburn's defense is it's not it's not on the same tier because I, I would say that really nobody in college football at this point has produced like Georgia has. But also I have said throughout this week and I hold to this, have they really been tested? At this point, I don't think that you can say they have been. Most, all of these offenses that they've played have struggled incredibly with the exception of Arkansas, but he, but the picture of the Arkansas team that we're getting right now may be more closely aligned to the Arkansas team that only scored 20 on Texas A&M as opposed to the Arkansas team that scored in the 40s, 41, I think, on Texas. So I still think Arkansas is a good team, but I don't think that they're incredibly robust on the offensive side of the football, I think basically what they do is run the football very well. And then if they're able to establish that on you, it's kind of like what Gus did at Auburn for the first couple of years. They were able to get that going. Then those screens would work with receivers. They were able to hit you with some shot plays with Traylon Burks. But if they're not able to establish the ground game, which they weren't, they had after six plays against Georgia, Arkansas was down 21 to zero. They had just one yard, one. They couldn't get past their own 10 yard line, 15 yard line. They got mauled. And, of course, they did make some adjustments and broke off a couple of big plays in that second quarter. But still, they, they got blank 37-0. to 
that's not indicative of a good team. I don't care how talented Georgia's defense is. That's still not indicative of an extremely robust offense. You should be able to at least score a little bit. This is college football. Defenses make mistakes. I don't care how good they are. Georgia's is very good. It's next level good. There's a lot of NFL talent on it. But I also think you can say from this exercise that we've done that Auburn's defense is getting to a point now where I think they're very good also. And I think they're going to have opportunities against this Georgia offense this Saturday. I think, again, Auburn's got opportunities to win this game on Saturday. It's not like we're just shutting down the possibility of Auburn going out there and pulling off an upset after, like you said, breaking down some of these position groups and breaking down what these teams are going to try and do. There's absolutely opportunity at home in this environment for Auburn to go out there and get a statement win in year one of the Brian Harson era. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Lance Dahl, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Again, if you want to give your thoughts on this Auburn-Georgia matchup where you think Auburn has the edge, where you think Georgia has the edge, call in 334-321-1390 or text us at 334-564-1840. Want to go ahead and get to our Sunday showdown selection, some NFL picks. Noah, you told me earlier that I went 7-3 and last weekend. You went 8-2. and And I just got to say, we'll get to our college picks tomorrow, but it seems like NFL is going a little bit better for me at least uh, than, than my college picks are. <laughs> I don't know you're still number one in our college picks last so, week was brutal college though. is sporadic this year man i don't blame anybody for how upset laden it's been it's been it was it was brutal last weekend because you know we talked about the theme this year so far has been at least five ap top 25 teams have lost and it's just like oh nine lost cool cool nine of the 25 teams lost it's absolutely wild well let's go ahead and get into our nfl picks here we're going to start with the los angeles rams at the seattle seahawks 7:20 p.m fox and nfl network this is tonight uh this is the thursday night football game noah do you think that la is going to be able to get it done on the road i don't feel good about it but i will say yes they're two and a half point favorites i think Rams didn't look good last week against the Cardinals. I don't think Matthew Stafford played very well. Arizona Cardinals bounce. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals move out to you know five and zero. They're trying to get out to six and zero this week. Or excuse me, check that four and zero. They're trying to get to five and zero. Still, you know, think of college football terms here. They're a week behind. But um, the Rams are a good football team. What scares me the most is how these two teams play defense. And then when this thing turns into backyard football, which talk about Bo Nix. Russell Wilson does that really well, and he did that. He did it first, <laughs> and he's an NFL quarterback, you know. So um, that's what scares me about this: is I know what Russell Wilson can do with the Seattle Seahawks when the deck is stacked against them. He's at home playing in a tough place to play, whereas I know that Matthew Stafford can't necessarily do that. I'm going to stick with the Rams to win this game because it feels like the safe pick, and I have a hard time believing, with as talented as that team is, that they fall to that they fall twice in a row i think it'll be that difficult to beat this team that many times this year but the seahawks at home is definitely a scary team to pick against but i'm going rams i'm gonna go rams as well simply because i just don't trust seattle's defense they've given up 30 points twice this season uh they've not given up less than 16 and while you said matthew stafford didn't have his best game last week that's true 
I still like the way that this uh, Rams offense is operating. After seeing what they did against Tampa Bay, who's not the best defense to, to gauge uh, L.A.'s offense against, but still, I like what they're doing on that side of the ball. I think L.A.'s going to come in and they're going to win, but no disrespect to Russell Wilson. I'm actually somewhat of a fan of the Seahawks and Wilson. I like his play. I like, that, I like the team, but I'm going to pick the Rams to win this one. Green Bay at Cincinnati. This is a, this is a 12 p.m. kick. On Sunday, both teams 3-1. and one. Green Bay favored by three. Noah, who you got? This is the battle of two teams that are identical, man. Uh, the, the Bengals are giving up a little bit are, – are giving up a touchdown less per game than the Packers are because the Packers defense gave up a lot of points against the New Orleans Saints and then still gave up 28 against the San Francisco 49ers. 25 points allowed per game for the Packers, 18 for the Bengals, but the Bengals also haven't played anybody, and we talked about playing kindergartners on offense. I mean, the Bengals really haven't played any good offenses either yet this year. Both teams scoring 23 a game, Packers almost scoring 24. Passing yards per game, 241 for the Packers, 247 for the Bengals. Rush yards per game, 92.5 for the Packers, 98 for the Bengals. Defense, 323 yards allowed for the Packers, 343 for the Bengals. Pass yards allowed, 221 for the Packers, Bengals 250. Rush yards allowed, 102 for the Packers, Bengals 93. I just read off all those numbers to show you how close this game is. But I'm going Packers because they've got Aaron Rodgers, and it seems like he could be the difference maker in such a, such a tight game here. And the Bengals really haven't been tested yet by that many good teams. I still have questions whether or not they're good themselves. You mentioned the Bengals' schedule and who they played so far this season. Played the Bears, the Steelers, the Jaguars, and then they beat the Vikings in Week 1. But three of those teams are not not very good, in, in in my opinion. I feel like Green Bay's been tested a little bit more. They've played the the 49ers and the Saints, who I, I think are better teams than than the uh, than than the Bengals schedule so far. But I'm going to stick with the Packers in this one. Like you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers, I think he's able to 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 get it done for Green Bay. This game could be close, but I like the Packers and their momentum uh, as they uh, as they kind of recoup from that Week One loss to the Saints. Moving on down the line here, Denver Broncos at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a 12 p.m. kick as well. It's on Fox. I, this, is, this is a game that is, is, is I, I don't really like. It's a pick em. Denver's 3-1. Pittsburgh's 1-3. This is one of those where it's like, oh, yeah, the 3-1 team should probably go out and win. But Denver, I don't know if they're a good football team. Who do you got? I'm going to pick the Steelers to win this game. And, you know, I said it a couple weeks ago. It's like I was making fun of you picking the Steelers. Like, you're going with noodle arm? It's like even with the with with the ben, ben Roethlisberger, whether or not he's going to be able to actually finish this game for Pittsburgh up in question, whether or not he's going to be the starter moving forward uh, potentially up in question. I'm going to pick the Steelers. I think they've got more talent. I just don't like this Denver team. I just don't. I understand you talk about strength of schedule. Denver wasn't tested through their first couple of weeks either. Right. This feels like both of these teams are one and three, even though, like you said, Denver is three and one, but it doesn't feel like they're three and one based off of who they played and how they've looked. They got beat by the Ravens last week, 23 to seven. And although the Broncos struggle to score, and I, and I don't think a lot of points are going to be scored in this game, I have to ask myself, this is going to be an incredibly defensive ball game. The Broncos defense is legit. It is. They did just play the Ravens. Held him to 23. Lamar didn't do a ton. He had a pretty good game. Didn't do a ton. Still only scored 23. Lamar had almost 300 passing yards. But, like, he couldn't get it in the end zone. Broncos left them out of that end zone, barred the door, only got 23 points against what is a very athletic football team on the offensive side of the football. They held him 23. So I think the defense is legit. And if they could contain what the Ravens do, they should be able to contain what the Steelers do. I'm going to go with the Broncos. I don't feel great. 
But uh, basically it comes down to who do I think could give them more, Bridgewater or Roethlisberger? I'll take Bridgewater. And like I said, I don't really like this matchup because, again, like you mentioned, it feels like the Broncos should be 1-3. They beat the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. Whoop-de-doo. And then on, on the uh, Pittsburgh side, you know, with not having Ben Roethlisberger playing well right now, four touchdowns, four interceptions, lost to the Raiders, the Bingers, Bengals, and the Packers, I just I don't like this matchup. It's just not not one I feel comfortable with. I'm glad we got it on the pick though. I'm glad that we uh, got to differentiate on that pick there. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line with Noah Gardner here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. We've got Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman on the line with us. Coach, how are you doing today? How are you doing good? Just standing here watching it rain. Got a, a flood going over here at the stadium, so hopefully it'll clear out by today's practice. Yeah, and you guys aren't strangers to the rain either. Hopefully it'll be gone for tomorrow night's game against Lee Montgomery. Yeah, and, you know, it's ironic that last year we played Lee in a uh, what ended up being a hurricane. Uh, they upgraded the tropical storm we played into a hurricane, so we figured it'd be fitting this week to practice in the rain all week for the game, but I think the weather's supposed to clear up by Friday night's game. Rewinding to last week, though, you guys took down Russell County on the road, 52-35, to 35, a little bit of a different type of football game than you guys are used to playing. Take me through the win. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we got out to a 10 nothing lead, and then Russell County scored. Uh, then we came back and scored to make it 17-7, and uh, I think the halftime score, we were up 24-14. to uh, Caden Cooper had a big kick return to open the second half. He got it all the way down to the four, and we scored there, then blocked a punt. So we gained a lot of momentum there in the second half with a big kick return. And then a block punt for a touchdown. Uh, Tony Powell blocked the punt, and Keldon Thompson recovered. And then I think we scored another one later. So it ended up being 52-21 to start the start the fourth quarter. And we, of course, we entered the benches, and they left some of their older guys in the game uh, throughout the whole game, and, and managed to score a couple touchdowns late. Uh, you know, so we weren't real concerned with the with those late scores as far as getting our kids in the game and getting them a little bit of experience. But, yeah, big region win for us to put us at 4-0 in the region. You mentioned some of the young guys getting out there to play. What's the future look like for the program with some of those freshmen and sophomores they got to get out there? Yeah, I really like our group coming along. Uh, our, our sophomores, you know, even as ninth graders, they, they didn't even win a game last year as a ninth grade team. But we kind of threw that out as a, you know, the whole COVID situation really messed up a lot of those younger teams because some kids didn't play. Uh, but then once we can mix those kids in with some older kids, we're really finding some bright spots out of that team. And then our, our ninth grade team has a lot of really good players. So we're excited about those kids as they come up through our football program here in the next couple of years. It was the first offensive explosion of the season for you guys, scoring more than 30 points for the first time this season. What was working so well for you guys on the offensive end? Well, the biggest thing is we started completing some of our throws down the field. Uh, we had only completed, I think, two balls over 25 yards in the first six games, I believe it was. And I think we had four the other night that were over over 25 yards. So we finally started throwing the ball and completing it down the field. And, of course, that opens up the run game. Uh, we had some running backs have some really big runs. Receivers were blocking downfield really well. So 
just an offensive, uh, you know, finally coming out uh, and playing really well uh, in, the, in the run game and the throwing game. A big part of that had to be your young quarterback and Roman Gagliano. What did you see from him getting out there in some of his first action of the season? Yeah, Roman did a great job of, of running running our offense. Uh, he probably gave us what we thought we would get out of him when we eventually had, you know, we didn't know when we would have to go to him. And obviously due to some injuries and uh, just really just giving him a chance to play, we've realized that, you know, he is our best quarterback. So we're going to continue to go with him. And, uh, you know, he did a great job, you know, threw the ball down the field really well. And he's such a tall kid. He can see over the offensive line and, and really his reads are a lot easier than some of our other quarterbacks. So uh, then he's got a really strong arm. Uh, but that, you know, the offensive line protected well for him and made some really good throws. I know you're focused on right now, but it's got to be an awesome feeling to know that you've got a sophomore quarterback in there that you can kind of grow this team around with. Oh, yeah. Anytime you can get a kid that's young, whether he's a junior or sophomore, that, uh, you know, can come in and start for you and play really well, it uh, it always makes you happy because, you know, you've got those kids for two, you know, one or two more years after this. Caden Cooper, you're running back, threw up another three-touchdown game on the ground earlier in the season. We talked, and you said that he had developed into that bell cow running back for the team. It seems like something special may be brewing in that backfield for Mr. Cooper. Yeah, Caden's just your your typical workhorse running back. Uh, we joke around with him. You know, he's not the fastest kid, but uh, he's really hard to tackle. Uh, so, you know, we can give the ball to him, you know, 20-plus times a game. I think the Carver game, he carried it 37 times. And, uh, you know, he's really hard to tackle. He's always leaning forward three to four yards of space or yards, you know, gained on, on any of his carries. And uh, does really – I think he's averaging eight yards, actually, on all of his runs. So, Really good running back for us. This week, you returned from a three-game road stretch against some good football teams. I mean, Russell County, Central, none of those teams are going to be any slouches. How do you think your team handled the road trip? Well, you know, luckily it wasn't very far down there. So, uh, after playing in Montgomery and then going down to Central and then Russell County, uh, it'll be nice to, to get back here on uh, in Bulldog Stadium to uh, Friday night. It'll be senior night. Uh, for on our 34 seniors and uh, but yeah you know going back to last week I, you know we handled the road uh, you know it's a little bit different environment down there now with their video board and their light show and all the stuff they do so made it a lot of fun good atmosphere to play in uh, obviously getting the win uh, we we're kind of used to going on the road after those two previous trips so I thought the kids did a really good job. And you mentioned being back in Bulldog Stadium. How does it feel to be right back on your home turf with the chance to clinch the region championship if you win your next two games? Yeah, it'll be nice to, to play in front of the home crowd again. Uh, our kids always seem to play really well here. Uh, I think we're 35-1 uh, and one against 6-18s at home since 2014, 35-36-1 uh, or 36 and one at home. So uh, it's always a tough place for opponents to come in. Our kids take a lot of pride in playing well here in front of the home crowd and uh you know we'll see friday night how we play it's one of the best home environments in all of alabama high school football what makes it so from your perspective on your sideline having that crowd behind you because you bring up the record only one loss in in 6a against teams at home that's pretty spectacular what makes the place so special i think a lot of it's just the tradition uh here you know we've got people that have season tickets that go back, you know, 30, 40 years of having the same seat. And every year you get the, the same, you know, form back in for them that they want to keep their same seat. And 
you look up there and see all the familiar faces. They never miss games. Uh, it's always a good home crowd uh, that's very supportive, very loud. Uh, then I think you throw in, uh, you know, where we have the – we were one of the first teams to really have a video board, uh, probably in South Alabama. So a lot of kids don't aren't used to that. Some schools now are used to it, uh, you know, so it doesn't affect them. But a lot of teams that aren't used to that just – you know, when they walk in and see that, is you know, I get—I don't know if it's intimidating or not. It seems to help. So we'll—I don't know if you could ever study that, but it seems to help us. So uh, nice place to play. Coach, looking at your opponent for this week, Robert E. Lee. What are you seeing on film from those guys? Uh, really, your typical Robert E. Lee team. Really big up front on the offensive line. Good running game. Uh, some really good skill players uh, at the receiver position. And their quarterback's doing a really good job this year of running the offense. He's a year older, started for him last year. Uh, he's doing a lot where he's running the ball a little bit more than he did last year coming into our game. And then on defense, just a lot of athletes that really run around. They're, they're not going to give up big plays the way they structure their secondary. And uh, so we're going to have to run the ball at them and take our chance. You know, we're not really going to be able to throw over the top. So, We'll have to make sure we're completing some medium, medium yard uh, range passes and, and turning those hopefully into big plays. What are the keys to tomorrow night's ball game against the Generals? Really, just to get out to a fast start. Uh, you know, not not you know come out slow because of all the festivities of senior night and all that kind of stuff that goes into some of these games. But really, just get out to a fast start and uh, and really just keep playing well. You know, we got to keep getting better. I've mentioned it before. We're a team that's not. We, I don't think we're good enough to play bad and beat anybody, so we need to continue to just get better each week. And that brings me to my last question here. Last three games of the season here, last third of the year, how do you want to see this team finish? Well, we just got to continue to, you know, work on our tackling in open space. That's kind of where teams, you know, at the end of the year kind of start taking that off a little bit. So we need to, you know, really focus on that on the defensive side and then just continue to get our playmakers the ball on offense. We've we've been missing some different guys, different games. So hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, we'll be getting all of them back and can really put a full offense together on the field at one time. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Good luck tomorrow night. All right, thanks. Y'all have a good, great weekend. That was Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman here on the line with us. We'll be back with more of the show on the other side of this break. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, Lance Dahl and Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Really appreciate Eric Speakman stopping by to talk a little Opelika football. Really appreciate Intern Sting holding it down behind the controls. Let's get to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. And Andrew is on the line with us. What's up, Andrew? How y'all doing, guys? Doing great. How are you doing? Awesome. Hey, uh, I'll, I'll be quick because I know you guys are ready to shut it down. But um, just really excited about the game on Saturday. Um, I like a lot of our matchups. I think if we can establish a run game, you know, that's really going to open it up for us, uh, get Bo comfortable back there. And this is a, a question, you know, is it just me or did it look like the receivers were running a little bit more crisp routes last week? 
I liked what I saw from the receivers, and not only, like you mentioned, were they running better routes, even though there were a couple of drops, I think you saw a lot of effort uh, from a couple of these receivers, and then when you saw Kobe Hudson go up and get that catch, we had not seen a receiver go up and get a 50-50 ball yet. It felt like this season in the way that Hudson did, and so I'm just impressed with the effort that we saw from the receivers last week. Yeah, I was as well. I could definitely tell a difference out there, and um, you know, I could see this being a really low-scoring game. Personally, I think maybe in the range of 19 to 14, something low like that. I think it's going to go under the number defensive battle. And I, I don't believe Stetson Bennett, you know, if he gets the nod, I don't believe he's got what it takes to beat us. I know, uh, you know, last year well, he threw for maybe 200 in a touchdown, but I don't see anything explosive out of him. So I think if we can keep uh, – you know, their running game in front of us, we got a good shot. And, guys, I think right now, I think – and I don't think this is a hot take. I think we're the number two team in the West, and I don't think it's a very big gap between us and Alabama. And I tell you what, hey, if we win this one, um, I think I think we're looking into the Iron Bowl with one loss. And, hey, we know what happens when uh, Alabama faces a nine-team – a nine-win team, uh, especially in Jordan-Hare. I think, uh, you know, I, right now I don't know if we have enough information to go as far as to say that Auburn's, you know, not that far from Alabama, but I'm with you. I think Auburn's second-best team in the West right now. Um, but I'm with you. Auburn wins this ballgame. If Auburn keeps this game close, if Auburn only loses by a touchdown, I like Auburn's chances to be 9-2 and two going into the Iron Bowl. And we've seen Nick Saban against 9-2, and two, uh, you know, 9-win Auburn teams. That's, that's not necessarily a good recipe for him now, is it? So I'm with you. I think the Iron Bowl could uh, could be much more competitive than people were giving it credit for. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I'll let you guys go. I appreciate it. And uh, awesome show as always. War Eagle. Really appreciate the phone call, Andrew. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. And, yeah, I really, really like the optimism there from uh, from from Andrew. I agree. I think this is going to be somewhat of a low-scoring game. And like you said, Noah, even if Auburn just keeps it close, like it's a touchdown point, a seven-point win for Georgia – at the end of the season, if you're looking at that Iron Bowl, if Auburn somehow manages to win that game and they win every game in between that, Auburn, the would, SEC Championship. Right, Auburn would then, in theory, win the SEC West. Yeah, that's not out of the – look, it's still early. There are probably folks listening like, why are these guys talking about this? You know, like, there's, this isn't going to happen. You know, like, that is a long ways away. Um, but it is fun to think about. It is. Auburn did something that they haven't done in a very long time, and – most years, if Auburn had beaten LSU on the road, you'd be thinking, hey, this team's got a ch- uh, chance to win the SEC West. It's kind of crazy to think that we're, there's still a lot of hesitation about Auburn after they won on the road at LSU. In most years, that gives you a, that puts you square in the middle to be able to go and win the SEC West and, and to be playing against Alabama for that spot of the SEC championship. That, that isn't necessarily the vibe right now, but if Auburn goes out there and is really competitive against Georgia, Auburn has a real opportunity to get a lot of people's attention on Saturday. A lot of people's attention. And I even still think, to a degree, they're going to still have to be proving themselves after this game, win or loss. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, if they win this game this weekend, I think a lot of people are going to wake up to the reality that Auburn is still a, a, a football team of quality. And like you said, Auburn's going to have to win some games after this. Like they've got Arkansas next week, Ole Miss, Texas A&M is still... I guess they've got talent on their roster. That's the only thing kind of holding them up right now. But it, it, it's not in just a, an easy stroll to Alabama after after potentially beating Georgia 
this weekend. But there's there's opportunity there. I'm not knocking that. Now we'll get to our picks tomorrow, but there is opportunity for Auburn to go and win in Saturday or on Saturday in Jordan Hare Stadium. Want to wrap up the show here with some more NFL picks. Get right back to them. New Orleans Saints at the Washington football team. This is a 12 p.m. kick on CBS. This is a game where it's like, okay, Jameis Winston's kind of been flip-flopping back and forth. Good performance, bad performance, good performance, bad performance. Is this the good performance now from Jameis Winston on the road? There was a bad performance last last week, so you would think so. He's not been bad. He's just been on a very, very tight leash. They are. He's only averaging, I think, 21 and a half pass attempts per game. This is the NFL, and this guy's only averaging 21 and a half pass attempts per game. And not let him throw the football. They, they have put training wheels on him up to this point. And you got to wonder if these training wheels are to make sure that Jameis Winston doesn't fall off his proverbial bike, right, midway through the game and, and scrape his knee by throwing three or four interceptions in the ballgame. That's what I'm asking myself. I think this is a close game, but I'll tell you, the Saints may not be doing a lot of things that are, that are you know super robust on the offensive side of the football, but the Washington defense is bad, very bad. Giving up 30 points a ballgame, it is bad. It, I, I don't want to say that it's irredeemable, but it is almost off the precipice. I'll take I'll take the Saints to win this game. Just like you said, simply because the defense is not it has been, has been playing so poorly this season. Like even if they limit Jameis to to twenty one pass attempts, and you look at his game logs: five touchdowns week one, two interceptions week two, two touchdowns week three, one touchdown week four two of those games he didn't eclipse 200 yards passing but even if they kind of limit him and what he's trying to do I still think Saint, the Saints offense is going to be able to have success I'm going to take New Orleans to win this game they're only favored by two on the road but I think they're going to be able to go out there and get it done next game here Philadelphia at the Carolina Panthers this is also a 12 p.m. kick it is on Fox Noah do the Panthers get it done this weekend at home this is going to be such a good football game because Jalen Hurts, although I still don't think that he is a great passer in this league, he has shown the ability to run an offense. He's shown the ability to put up some points in this league. And while it is a little inconsistent, he's still playing pretty well and he's still managing this team. And undeniably, he's the guy that the Eagles should have behind center. But Sam Darnold has done a really good job on that side of the ball for the Panthers as well. This game's at home. This is possibly the toughest game to pick all weekend long just because of how inconsistent these two teams can be and then the strength of schedule for the Panthers as well. I will go with the Panthers at home. It it doesn't make me feel good because I do think the Eagles are actually better than their record suggests. They've played a tough schedule up to this point, but I will take the Panthers. I don't know if this is still true. But Sam Darnold, just about a week or so ago, was tied for the league lead in rushing touchdowns, which sounds absolutely insane. Five touchdowns, three interceptions on the year, five touchdowns on the ground. This game is at home, and like you mentioned, I don't feel great about it because Jalen Hurts has has suddenly found uh, the ability to run an offense. But I'm going to take the Panthers at home. I just simply like I, I, I like the Panthers at home in this game. I don't really feel like a 1-3 Philadelphia team is going to come in there and win. Now, could it be close? Absolutely. Give me the Panthers, though, in their home stadium. Chicago Bears. Go ahead. We got to go quick. (laughs) Chicago Bears at the Las Vegas Raiders, 3.05 p.m. CBS. I'm going to go Raiders in this one. Bears offense, they're only allowing Justin Fields to throw the ball less than 15 times a game. That's not a recipe for success in the NFL. Give me Raiders at home. 
I am really disappointed to see what's about to happen with Justin Fields as the full-time starting quarterback. Matt Nagy may potentially ruin him. Give me the Raiders at home to win this game, and it could potentially be by a lot. Cleveland Browns at Los Angeles Chargers, 3.05 p.m. CBS. Supposedly reports are out there that Baker Mayfield's playing with a partially torn labrum. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Give me my Cleveland Browns to beat the Chargers on the road. That Browns defense is nasty. Top five in the NFL right now in in, uh, overall total yardage allowed per game. Chargers are going to be limited a little bit on the offensive side of the ball, and I think the Browns may be too. The question is, who's got more playmakers on that offensive side of the ball? And I think at this point, you look at both of these rosters, it's pretty close. But I think this Browns defense, I'll I'll take them to win, and then I like what the Browns have on the offensive side of the football a little bit more than what the Chargers have. Give me the Browns to win simply because of that defense being so good so far this season. San Francisco 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals advance to 5-0. and There's question about who will be playing quarterback for the Niners this weekend, whether it's Garoppolo, who is injured right now, or it's Trey Lance. Doesn't matter. Cardinals are phenomenal. That makes it even worse for San Francisco. Give me the Cardinals to win at home. Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. This could be a good one. 7.20 p.m. NBC. Bills ain't played nobody, Paul. They ain't played nobody. <laughs> I mean, you look at what they've done up to this point. They've played the Houston Texans, Washington football team, Miami Dolphins, and Pittsburgh Steelers, and they lost a noodle arm in the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Give me the Chiefs. <laughs> Give me the Chiefs as well. Can't forget about noodle arm. Final game here as we wrap it up. Indianapolis Colts at the Baltimore Ravens, 7.15 or 7:15 p.m. ESPN. It's not far, actually, Lance, from military time being 17-15. Just saying. That's exactly. only two hours away from there. But uh, I will go That was with, intentional. Yeah, I will <laughs> go with the Ravens at home to beat the Colts. I don't feel great about it because I think the Ravens – I don't think the Ravens are a great team. They're obviously limping in each and every week because of their injuries. But Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, surprisingly, the Ravens are favored by seven at home. I still think this good this defense is good enough to limit what Carson Wentz can do with two sprained ankles. And uh, Lamar Jackson is still phenomenal, as always, with the football in his hands. Give me Ravens at home. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll see you guys tomorrow.